Welcome back, everyone. This is The 23, and I'm Chris Kirkby. Today's guest is Craig Burke. Craig is a qualified NLP practitioner. He has a degree in health and sport. He's the former British and English Commonwealth Karate Champion, British Kickboxing Champion. His MMA record is 4-0. Craig, welcome to The 23. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Craig, there's, there's so many things that we could go into today. There's, I know there's a couple of key topics you want to cover. For me, anytime I, I speak to a, I don't know, like an, an, a, a fighting athlete, I always like to try and get inside the mind of somebody who is willing to put it all on the line in front of everybody, you know, ultimately, in, in most cases, especially in, in heavyweight, as, as you would be, willing to get knocked out in front of a massive crowd. And I just think of the mental fortitude it requires to accept that as a potential outcome to, to your chosen career path. When you go through about your entire fighting history through karate, MMA, kickboxing and boxing, what, what, what struck you about the hardest fight you've ever had to? The hardest fight is always your, it's your own mind. You know, that's the hardest battle because it, Every fight I've, that I've ever done has never been as bad as the build-up in my own mind to to the event. Um, things not always, but things are generally you generally build things up in your mind to be worse or, or, or sometimes better than what they actually are. So I think the the hardest battle is is with yourself. You know, like Conor McGregor said, "There is no opponent; there's only you," and it, and it does ring true because the opponent is irrelevant to, in, in the build-up. Obviously, you need to know the certain details of the of the fighter, the tendencies and things things like that nature. But ultimately, you're going in there and fighting just another just another person, another human being. So you the, the preparation it, when you get the initial uh, when you get the, the nod that you get in the fight, that's when the, it begins. You start the whole the whole mental process. Of, of, of building up to that event, um, visualization, seeing certain things, and you'll see negative things and you'll see positive things. And it is a constant battle. For, for me, that was from my personal experience. I'm not saying that's for every fighter, but for me, it was always uh, a bit of a battle with myself, you know. And I think that people who do want to fight are generally a little bit unhinged anyway. I think there's, I think there has to be something not quite right to want to go and fight somebody why would you want to do that you know why would you want to put like you said everything on the line get in there potentially get knocked out in front of your friends you know that's what could happen uh fortunately that you know that hasn't happened but it's a definite possibility always a possibility you could get seriously hurt so for me i think there has to be some kind of um difference to a not what maybe i'm not saying a normal person but somebody who doesn't have the those couple uh those tendencies to want to compete in that yeah. in that field, I think there's got to be something a little bit different going on upstairs. Okay, you know? so for you then, I mean, if you go go back to you know the beginning of your career in karate, what was it in your mind that made you think I need to I need to go into the, the competing side? I've always been a competitive person, always been an enemy. My dad's very competitive, uh, and. I always loved fighting. I, I was, ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed by it. You know, like watching Bruce Lee, then Van Damme came along, 
uh, you know, Bruce Lee, like a bit before my time, but I watched all these Enter the Dragon and all these all these films. And then 1987, that's when uh, Van Damme came along. Bloodsport blew my mind. I'm like, what is this? You know what I mean? I, I want to be this guy. And I just had an obsession with it. I've always had an obsession with uh, with training, with physical endeavours, you know, lifting weights, running. I've always been obsessed by that stuff. And I, I can't put that, I don't know why. I, I don't know why that is. It just fascinated me. I've always wanted, and not in a, not in a way that I want to go and hurt someone. I was just always interested in in the martial arts. In, in Generally, in martial arts, just just had a passion for it. So it's pretty hard to explain why, really. I, I don't know that. I just know that I did. I, mean, I think martial arts is an interesting one and it's one I took a, a, a slight interest in as a kid and funnily enough after I saw Bloodsport which was Jean-Claude Van Damme which is what you what you're referring to I never followed it up which is uh, I think a little bit of a, a pattern in, in me as a, as a younger person I think I had all these good ideas and follow up was something sorely lacking from 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 my personality for whatever reason apart from football for I, I don't know why but um I always think with martial arts that when I speak to people that uh, either train in it, compete in it, or have a passion for it, there's there's a deep, deep respect for, as you said, the martial arts. It's not mm. just about the competition. It's not just about um, being able to uh, kick somebody in a certain fashion, or knock someone out, or throw them to the ground, or um, you know get them to submit. If you're talking about MMA or jiu-jitsu. I'm curious to see what is it for you that you think is special about knowing and learning and ultimately competing in a martial art? Well, I think for me, I think I've always had an insecurity in myself. Um, I've always gone into situations, and this is where my mind maybe differs to someone else's, but I've gone into certain situations thinking, if this happens in this building now, if he kicks off here, I'm going to do this. It's not a normal way to think, you know, and, and I've always done that, trained as much as I can so that I don't have to deal with anybody bullying me or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think that is the reason. I think if I'm going to, if I can really think about I think that is probably the initial reason I'm starting. Just an insecurity. Like, um, I mean, you very rarely have fights, you know, through your, through your life. You very rarely, you might have a couple of altercations in your life, you know. But I'm pretty obsessed by just don't want to be put in a position where I'm vulnerable. I think that's why I trained. I think that's why I got obsessed by it. But ultimately, it led me into this. Uh, it's, it's changed my life. It's given me everything in my life. Martial arts has given me everything. That I, I, I work. I work in the field. I train in the field. I'm, you know, I'm supporting my family through martial arts. My education has been martial arts. All my, I went to university, but I didn't study university. I didn't try, you know, because I was obsessed with martial arts. That's that's where I, that's where I wanted to be. It's the only thing I wanted to do. I was never any good at football. I never was any good at any other sport because I had no passion for any other sport. The only thing I wanted to do was be in the gym, learning, learning, learning. So, what I think martial arts gives is that deep self confidence that for somebody like me who probably was insecure and had some anxieties and some hang-ups, it gave me confidence, you know, and it gave me structure. And martial arts, telling you now, I firmly believe this in, in my mind, if everybody was to train martial arts, the world would be a lot more peaceful because people don't have to go out and prove themselves. You, you, you're testing yourself in the gym. You don't have to go out and have a fight on the street 
you're confident in yourself. You, that, that to me, that's insecurities coming out. You've got to go and try and beat another person to prove to yourself you're a man or something like that. But if you're constantly in a stressful environment with we kill us on a mat and you're trying to trying to choke each other, you know, in jiu-jitsu, for example, I train with some world-class athletes and you make a mistake and you're getting choked, you know, and, and that's exciting to me. That is, that's living that. And that was also, uh, that checks my ego every time. My ego can get out of control and I think that my ego has caused me problems and I think it causes a lot of people problems. Ego is a real big deal to, to control because ego can get you into situations that you don't need to be in. Now, for me, being in martial arts gives me a constant ego check because I'm constantly on. I don't. I'm not always dominating it. Some days I might be under the cosh. Some days I might be, uh, you know, in some good positions. But yeah, you, you, you know, you're constantly getting that ego checked, and it's a good thing. I think people would do good to have that. I mean, I could tell you countless people that have come down to the gym move. Uh, you know, sometimes known as being a tough guy in the area and stuff, and they've not lasted. They haven't lasted in it because their ego can't handle that. Whereas if you're brought up doing it, you're used to losing. I've lost more, you know, you're losing the gym all the time. You're winning, the, there's no such thing as winning and losing the gym, but you, you know what I mean. Like I'm constantly, um, like I said, over the years I've had my ego checked and, and, and it's good. And I think it's, I think it's healthy because it keeps your mind in check. You know where you are, you know. You're not going to go out there being overly aggressive. You don't know who that person is, you know, and, and, and it gives you that awareness, mm-hmm. gives you that self-awareness. And I just think it's, a, it's a, an amazing thing to, for you to, to feel like you're not always the hammer. Sometimes you're the nail, you know, and you get your turn, you know, and, and I, think, I just think it uh, makes, you, makes me a, a more grounded person. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that you, that you said there, I'm going to try and pick up. I've kind of made a little point, three little key points I'd like, want to revisit with you. First thing was that you said, and, and it, one of the most iconic champions of all time, Mike Tyson, actually said something very similar to why he became a boxer and it was to do with feeling insecure in himself and making sure that people couldn't physically intimidate him anymore. So I thought that's a really interesting comparison to draw, you know, like people that reach the absolute pinnacle of their profession motivated by very similar things. I think it's probably reassuring to anybody that has got those things in the mind because look what you can achieve in spite of or even because of those things. Then the other thing was you were talking about being in a room and um, saying, right, if it, if it was going to kick off, if this guy does that, this is what I'll do. And, you know, you say, regard it as not normal. It's a, it is a special mindset, that's for sure. And I remember uh, reading one of Ant Middleton's books um, from the, who was in the SBS, and he was saying something very similar. He was meeting some uh, high-priced, I think high-priced lawyer in this, in this very exclusive club in London. Mm. And he looked down at the ashtray, this big, expensive, heavy ashtray, tray and the, with the first thought that went through his mind was I could do some serious damage with that if I need to he was looking for the looking for a weapon looking for a way out looking for where he would take cover and while it might not be what some people classed as a normal mindset it's, it's certainly a specialist one um, and I think it's, it's also interesting for me to if people could see the Craigberg that I'm sat across from uh, and talk about insecurity and you know what you're six foot four and um, what do you weigh these days Craig? About 18 stone. About 18 stone of, of, of muscle so it's like you know when people say 
you know, the, and admit that they've got insecurities. It's the type of person that would walk down the street and it would shock you to to, yeah. to hear those things. So I think it's, it's really good that you're that you're honest enough to to share that. Um, I actually remember once when I was out in a, a bar with you and um, a, a guy who played for a rugby team. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, and this is again, this is a demonstration of the security you had in yourself at the time because of your training, because of what you'd done. And he was threatening. He was asking if you could knock him out and threatening to spit at you. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember can, it you, well. can you can you well. can you tell tell that? Yeah, I'll tell a story. Wow, it's a long time ago. Yeah, I was in a I was in a bar with Chris, and um, you know, probably mid two thousands time really. Anyway, there's a there was a full rugby team out. So it weren't just one guy. I was aware of this. This is my, my how my man works. I'm, I know. I've already pictured who that was there. I'm already working it out. And this guy looked at me and he said, "You're a big guy. You could play for our team." And I said, "No, no, thanks, mate. It's not my thing. It's not, I'm just not interested in that." You know. And he's like, "No, no, you could play for our team." I'm like, "No, mate. I'm not interested in doing that. It's not my thing. Thanks, though. I'm trying to get away from this idiot." And then he said, "You're going to play for our team," and I'm like, "What?" What are you talking about? He said, "If you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If you don't play for our team, I'm gonna spit in your face now." And I just said, "You spit in my face, mate, and I'm gonna knock you the f out." <laughs> you can swear said, on this podcast. I'm gonna knock you the f out. My mum might be listening. Um, I was fully prepared to do it. I knew I was gonna get a kicking after there were too many. There was too many lads, but I, I couldn't let that guy do that to me. Nobody would, you know. It, it, I'm not walking away from it. I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm not saying I'm a tough guy. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I'm not going to let this guy demoralise me like that. So I was fully prepared and, and it, fortunately he didn't do it and, and, you know, and it ended up amicably and we just kind of got away. But like, in my mind, I'd already seen that rugby team. I'd already sized everybody up. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to end well for me and Chris. Unfortunately, Chris has been dragged in. Yeah, I, well. um, I had a, a, it, was, it was the a horrible misfortune of having, um, I had a couple, quite a few friends when I was younger that were like very capable physically um, in, a, in a fighting sense. Um, you know, yourself and my friend Alex who was in the Marines at the time um, <laughs> and I'm thinking I am possibly the worst ally, the worst Robin to your Batman that you could probably think of at the time. I mean, obviously these days I'm absolute nails, but um, <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, funny memory nonetheless. The one thing I think that I'd like to look at for, from from your perspective is terms of I always associate martial arts with with I don't know I think the words I don't know fluidity and discipline come to mind. Mm. How would you say that? either like knowing a martial art like thoroughly and, and practicing it, how does that impact the way that you, the way you approach life, you, you know, your mindset, mentality and things like that? I'll use jujitsu as an example, because I think jujitsu uh, is, for me, for anyone who's wanting to get into a martial art, it, it's amazing. It changes lives. It really does. It really has changed my life. Uh, it definitely has. Because, I'll go into my injuries and stuff, but this is something that I've been able to keep doing and I needed to be able to do it. And for my own mental health, I needed to be able to keep doing jiu-jitsu because I love jiu-jitsu. Because it, that is really about the, the weakest person, if they're willing to spend the time and learn, can become amazing at jiu-jitsu. Obviously, there's to be some physical ability there. I'm not denying that. There has to be some physical ability, but an open mind and an intelligence this is not. A, this is a thinking man's game. It, it's not something where you just use brute force. Brute force will only work for so long. 
with the same guy that's trained along with you who's 50 pounds lighter, well, if he's learning the technique and actually embracing it, we'll become better than you and we'll beat you no matter how strong, much strong you are. Because he's got, like we said, the fluidity, the timing, the technique. He's put the, he's put the time into learning the martial art, not just turning up. You don't just turn up. It's a lifestyle. You go away, you obsess over the technique. You know, sometimes my Renata, my wife, will say, what are you thinking about? Like, you know, what are you thinking about? I'll just drift off for half an hour, an hour at a time, and like, in my own world, thinking about, why the fuck did I get that Kamara on me today? Do you know? And it's mm. like, um, it's an obsession. It's an obsession. So fluidity, being able to relax under pressure, that's what creates fluidity and stuff. If you're totally tense all the time, you're gonna you're gonna gas quick. You're not gonna last long. You're not gonna be able to get the techniques going. So it's about being being confident under pressure. When there's a big guy on top and he's he's trying to rip your arm off, not panicking, not what we call fitting. When somebody starts jiu-jitsu, we call it fitting. When they're underneath and they panic, and it's like imagine the energy bar. After a minute, that's just it's just going down because they're just wasting their energy on this panic mode, and that is the and things like that of that nature are key to like martial arts. It's, I call fight fighting, you know, is something that you can only get good at when you get comfortable. Like you have to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, and that's a mental thing. It's all along with this. It's along with your tech. It's a technical ability, but it's also a mental state. So, you know, and that can help you in other aspects of your life. Like we're talking the crossover effect from martial arts to everyday life. That can help you in everyday life because being cool under pressure, being in a boardroom where they're firing questions at you, you know, you're under pressure. Can you be comfortable in that situation? Things like that. I think it can help. You know, I think it's got a real good crossover effect into other parts of your life. I, I, you know what? I think that's a really, really astute observation, and I can from another another walk of life. I remember the one thing, one of the big things that acting taught me is that that I can perform while in the middle middle of a kind of a panic. You know, like stage fright's a real thing. You know, some people get it more more than others, and I, I remember I used to feel deep, deep nervousness before going on straight on stage. But even though that nervousness was there, especially for the first act, if you like, if it was a play or the first scene, if it was a, a you know a program or a movie, but it would it would still be controllable. You you could manage it, and I got used to that, and it did massively help me when I moved into you know the normal world of careers, like you say, when people fire questions at me, or if I'm in a, a situation where I'm verbally backed into a corner, very rarely do I do I flap and fluster. Um, unless somebody really gets me with a good one but um, but yeah no it, it, it is interesting how things can cross over when you, yeah. you take it out of the physical and into the mental arena mental's everything Chris I mean you know yourself like you said you you had a, you had a, I would believe that you had a routine that you followed you probably you maybe for me personally I used to sit down I didn't I didn't want to converse too much I'd never be in the arena where my friends were I'd always be away from it I don't want that distraction same with you when you you perform, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're performing in front of people. I looked at you on stage and thought, I can't do that. Actually, I probably could. Probably what spurred you on. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that. And and, and it's like, uh, you know, you said I couldn't, have had a, I couldn't have gone into a combat situation. I couldn't have gone on stage and acted in front of people. So it's like, you know, we've all got different skills and abilities, but ultimately it's the mental, it's the mental attitude and fortitude that gets us 
into that position to do it. Mm. Yeah, I um, I think for me, like I say, it's when a time for me as a person, if somebody has a, um, a particular set of skills. Um, I, sorry, I had to drop some DMs in there. <laughs> but any anytime someone's got a certain skill set, yeah, and that I just simply do not have, it fascinates me to hear about you know the way they the way they approach life, the way they, well, how they got into that in the first place, what it gives them over other people. And, you know, some of the things that you're saying now, and I'm thinking, why did I not do that? I should have done that. And we'll see if there's any follow-up after this, as I was saying before. But I, um, the thing for me, I think that what I'm always keen for this podcast to do is to, to bridge the gap between, because mental health and mindset, people can tend to detach that from their body. They completely think that one is different to the other. And the truth being that one informs the other. Um, and it goes both ways. And for me, I'm just so passionate about helping people see the benefit of how you can use your body to heal your mind, or you can use your mind to help heal your body and be an all-round healthier person. How important do you think it, it is to utilize physical activity to um, enhance mindset and, and mental health. It's everything, Chris. It's absolutely everything. Like uh, we were talking earlier before the podcast, I can only talk from my own perspective. I can't say for other people, but I'll tell you my experience. I've suffered from mental health, and I, and I hate this term. I've suffered from mental health. I really hate it, and, and I'm sorry for saying it because. There are genuine sufferers out there. There are genuine sufferers, but there are also a lot of people that jump on this bandwagon. I've got to say this before I go into it. There's a lot of people that jump on this bandwagon. They have one bad day. They don't feel too good that morning. They've got mental health issues. And, and, it, and it kind of detracts from the people that are genuine. As we, you know, It's a very frustrating thing because nobody can look inside someone's head and nobody can say it. So you, you can't really comment. You can't really say anything because we don't know what that person's experiencing. Yeah. But I believe I've been suffering from it, which I'll go into it. Uh, on, on and off in the midst of my 20s and 30s when I was deep into competition I never felt I suffered from mental health I only ever realised I suffered until after I wasn't able to do it that's when I started to these these things of like some addictions and things like that came into play yeah mm-hmm. and the reason I'm going to talk about it is because I think it might help somebody else looking at me like you said I'm not your probably average person you think would suffer from mental health or addiction or anything like that Six foot four, I'm a big guy, big strong bloke. You know, I've done martial arts all my life. You probably wouldn't associate that with with those things. But I think that's a good thing because anybody can suffer. Doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are, anybody can suffer. So if that is the case, then that'll help somebody out there that maybe can't say something. Hopefully, hopefully that will help someone else because it's not always the guy that you think suffering that it really is, you know. And yeah, for me personally, martial arts is everything. If I can't do train, if I can't be, if I can't physically exert my body daily, it has to be pretty much every day. Maybe the odd day off. I try and take days off when I'm forced to have a day off. Like, say I've got to travel somewhere. Say I've got to be somewhere. Say I've got uh, my, taking my son somewhere. Say I haven't seen my wife. Things that I can't control as much. That's when I take my days off because I don't like to have days off because I'm not a good person when I don't train I'm not saying I'm a bad person but I become irritable snappy down low my mood's not good I like I genuinely feel like a black cloud's over me when I don't exert my body use my physical engine 
you know, I have to do it daily. Like if I don't do it, like we were talking earlier, if I've got a hard session planned and I don't, and I wake up in the morning, I don't always want to do it. I don't, it's crazy as it sounds. I know what it's going to benefit me, but I don't want to do it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to get up on the morning and then go and do five times five minute round, hard kettlebell rounds and then do a, a aerodyne bike or something like that or, or roll with some absolute killers on a mat that was going to try and tear your head off. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But if I don't do it, I feel like I've bottled it. I feel like I've let myself down. Then the, that impacts on the fact that I'm not feeling good anymore because I didn't train and I'm having a really bad day, which can turn into a bad week. And then these other insecur- then the insecurities start coming out and the addictions start coming out. So for me, it's therapy. It's, it's therapy, daily therapy that I need. What would you say to the people that listen to say, oh, I this guy trains every day. What would you say to the people that maybe don't train very often or even at all and they, they say, yeah, but that's not healthy? If they saw me, yeah, when I've been on a bender, when I've, when I've drunk alcohol or something like that, which I shouldn't do and I'm not doing anymore and I'm, I'm, I'm getting in control of it, I've had my slip-ups, but I'm getting really on top of it now. If they saw me on the other side of that, they'd say that I need to do it, I should be doing that because that is not healthy for me. Everything's individual. Like, I'm not saying burning your body out, for uh, redlining your body every day is good. And I don't redline my body every day. But for me, for me personally, the, the upside of it, the positive far outweighs the negative. Plus, I'm a healthy guy. I'm a pretty healthy guy and I want to be healthy. I'm, I'm an old, I'm, I just had a son not longer, nine months ago. I'm an older guy. I've got insecurities about that. I'm, I'm not, and I'm opening up and saying like I'm full of insecurities. I'm not, but I'm just being honest. I've got insecurities about that. I'm an older guy. I want to be around a long time. I want to live a long time. I want to look after my heart and my lungs. Your joints and your, your elbows, your knees and that, we can all, we can get them fixed. We can get them fixed. Your heart and your lungs and your organs, they don't get easily fixed. And I'm working them daily because I want to be fit and healthy and I want to live a long time. And I want to be around for my son, you know. So for me, yeah, my, my legs are banged up. I've got two ACL reconstructions. I've had five knee surgeries. I've got a hip replacement. I'm only 41, mm. you know. So some people would say, you're crazy. Why do you keep doing it? And I said, because I have to keep doing it. It's not a choice for me. I have to do it. It's for my mental health and for my physical and, and my spiritual well-being. Yeah. You know, it all comes together, and that's that, that's why I do it. So to those people, I'd say, if it works for you, do it. But it don't work for me. You know. Yeah. And uh, so, so you were you were saying about the you know the importance of like you're talking about routine as well. Yeah. Routine, yeah. The, 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 for people, for someone like myself, and there's a lot of, and, and I know a lot of guys like this because a lot of guys like this come into my gym, and that's why they come into my gym because there's a lot of similar traits there. You know that I've learned over the years of dealing with different people and stuff that, that, that a lot of people suffer with the same kind of things and that's what brings them to martial arts. And it does change their life. Martial arts change your life, no doubt, no doubt. I think everybody should do some form of martial arts, whether it be Tai Chi or whatever it is, I just think it would benefit, it would benefit you. But yeah, for, for, uh, for me, it's like... Um, it's it's not a choice it's not a choice I have to do it now and it's just and I enjoy it and I love it and I love being around it I love talking about it I don't like small talk I don't really have anything to say about anything else I don't do much else I'm pretty pretty boring really I just 
I hang around with the guys in my gym and I go home to my wife and that's pretty much it now, you know. And that's what I enjoy and that's what I like and that's what keeps me happy. Yeah. You know, I'm not happy every day, but who'd want to be happy 24 hours a day, you know? It's not normal, is it, you know? You take the good days and the bad days, but as long as you have more good days and you're happy most of the time, I'll, I'll take that, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. There's a, well, just to offer you some reassurance, I, uh, I recorded yesterday um, with a, um, a guy called uh, Chris Collins, who um, he's the head of science at a company called Moodoo Health, and they do DNA testing, epigenetics testing, um, all, all sorts of specialist training with athletes, and they work with uh, Eddie Hall, world's strongest man, Eddie Hall. Um, yeah. And um, they were talking, I was talking to Chris, and he was talking about the the difference between your chronological age and your biological age, you know, and I was listening to you refer to yourself as an older guy, just offer you some reassurance because, you know, even though, like you say, you, your body's had some wear and tear and some, some big knocks in your, in your life, you know, your heart and your lungs and your biological age in theory should be reasonably yeah. low because of the way that you've lived your life, because of the way that you um, exercise, because these are all things that stop the oxidation process in, in accelerating. So a bit of reassurance for you there, mate. You can, can cross that off the, the, worry, the worry list <laughs> of the week. Um, and for me, actually, do you know what? Another thing that we're talking about is um, the importance of a balanced diet to, to slow aging. So um, for you, what do you, what's your thoughts on you know, nutrition and its impact on your, your, your mind. And... I think nutrition is absolutely huge. It's huge. It's like, let me give you an example. Someone goes to the doctors, yeah, they complain they don't feel good. They've got depression. They don't want to wake up in the morning. They ask them what they're eating. You know, maybe they had, uh, got up in the morning, they had two bowls of cereal, then later on they had a pizza. At night they had a kebab, and in between that they had some biscuits and chocolate. And just basically bullshit, just eating, you know, crap. How can you expect your body and mind to feel good when you're shoveling in rubbish? If you had a performance car, you won't put in, you know, low-grade low fuel. You put the best in it to get the best results. It just makes sense. Like, I, if I have a couple of days eating rubbish, which we all do from time to time, I don't feel good. I don't feel good physically. I don't feel as motivated mentally. Like for me, I feel clear in the mind. I feel, you know, just just generally a sense of well-being when I eat good. Now, I don't know if if that's a, a placebo effect. I'm just telling you the effect it has on myself. But but also like I I've get I've got certain um, I, I get like a, a, a asthma symptoms of asthma. Sometimes, if I, if I can't train for a prolonged period, say I'm injured or whatever, I get like asthma symptoms. And if I eat three days, two or three days, not great or pretty bad, these symptoms come back, like hay fever symptoms. And when I eat clean, on my normal diet, I don't get them. So there's definitely something in, in the diet business. You know, I, I think it's huge. I think, it's, I think it all comes together, what, what you put in your body, are you working your engine? Are you working your, your body? Are you, you know, we're supposed to be hunter-gatherers. We were all there, out there all day trying to find food. That's what we originally came from, and that's what our bodies are used to and our minds are used to. When you're sat around in a sedentary job or, or, or you, you know, you're, not, you're not putting good fuel in your body, it's going to have an impact on all sorts, physical and mental. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's a real balance to be had out there in terms of the perception of what... Um, 
you know, what a healthy body can look like or should look like. I mean, there's obviously varieties of healthy depending. Um, but for me, I think it's important that people recognize that your body is going to be, in the, in the vast majority of cases, your body is going to be a direct reflection of what you put in it and how you use it. And it, it can be actually simplified as much as that. So, you know, to anybody that's out there that maybe struggles with mood, look at what you're eating. You know, like look at how much you sleep and look at your activity levels. Because I know for a fact, um, you know, the, the phrase cabin fever. If I've just been sat down all day and I've not trained or I've not been out anywhere, um, I'm just like, I don't like it. I feel a bit like itchy, a bit irritable. And it's because... You know, my body wants to move. It, it wants to do something. It doesn't want to just sit and fester all day. Um, you know, it's designed to move. It's not designed to be wheeled about on a on a on a chair or a platform. You know, you are designed to move. So, you know, do what you were built for, basically. I totally agree with that, Chris. And and, and I get I get cabin fever as well. We're not like we said. We're not designed to do that. We're not. We're, you know, we're, we're supposed to move. We're supposed to do things. We're supposed to. You know eat good clean food and you know have good interactions with with friends and family and, and and things like that and if you get all these things if you tick all these boxes things fall into place without you even realizing it's happening things won't fall into place and you you have better relationships with your partner with your parents you know things are things like of that nature you know it helps everything i totally agree and you know if you can if you can improve your mood say just by eating and then your attitude is then more positive you're going to have more positive experiences that day in that day and then what's your reaction to those positive experiences unless you're very very strange you're going to be happy that you've had those experiences and like i say i think it's i think it's horrendously underestimated these days where people will want um you know they'll go for a, a pill that you can take once a day um over taking a path that requires a little bit more structure, a little bit more discipline, but ultimately will yield a lot better results and a lot better health. But we've got this predisposition that you answer a problem with a with a pill or a series of medication or something like that. It's well, look at what's happening with this virus, COVID-19, yeah? It's only this week that they've started, that the government have started saying you need to start exercising you need to start eating correctly you need to start uh, having some vitamin d all these things that i and that we that me and you knew anyway that we did anyway they're telling you to do now why weren't the people why weren't they saying that at the beginning of the pandemic everything is wear a mask stay away from people so you're cutting everything that's good in your life you stay away from people that's what life's about is having friends and family and conversation and meeting people and having hugs and, and things like that Sounds a bit soppy, but that's what it, that's what life is about. And then the same, cut that out. But never said, why don't you eat some good food? Why don't you get out for a, a, a maybe a light jog? Why don't you, you know, everything. It's always the the quick solution. Take this, do this. You know, wear a mask. Don't see anybody. Come away. Come up, stay in your home. That's all negative. Why not get us doing the positive steps? And then people are going to be healthier anyway. So honestly, it's such a such a valid comment because you know when I, when it said oh when we the original lockdown started oh sixty minutes exercise a day I'm like okay so you can get out for out of your house for sixty minutes I'm like don't worry about the vitamin D then guys cool we'll, we'll ignore that bit of health yeah. advice 
And then the other thing is that, I mean, you know, the media have got a lot to answer for oh, for this because could go on all day. The problem for me is that one of the biggest things that can drive your immune system into the ground is stress, and the the fear campaign that has been going on since this whole thing started massive triggerer for stress. So what? How is that going to help people fight things off if everybody's panicking and stressed and fearful? Um, you know, for me, I just think what a shame. And like you say, people looking at the negatives. So oh, like the death rate is is X. You know, for the, if you take the global figure, the last time I checked, which was a few weeks ago now, a fair few weeks ago, global death rate zero point two six percent. So we've got a global panic over zero point two six percent when you should be celebrating. I always say to people, like, imagine if you were unfortunate enough to get diagnosed with a terminal illness mm. and the doctor said, but you've got a 99% chance of recovery. <laughs> it would be party time. You would be cartwheeling. You, you'd be counting your blessings that that was a possibility for you when so many people would be faced with such horrendous odds. And I just think like you, why can't we focus on more of the positives? Why can't we be looking to keep people healthy without panic? Because there's so many, so many things. I mean, for me, the vulnerable are just that. And it doesn't make it nice. And it doesn't make it any less tragic if one of the vulnerable, vulnerable people we, we, we label as such was to pass away through COVID for, or through any means. So, but the fact remains, they're, they're called vulnerable for a reason because they're vulnerable to everything. I think the thing is, because we could, we could go on all day about this subject because it's some of the, I think everybody's thinking about and. And it is sad. It's a sad situation because, you know, how many people, uh, how many young kids have been uh, beaten or abused in homes where there's a, a parent that's normally out of the house and maybe an alcoholic parent who's coming back being, how many people have lost their jobs, how many people have lost businesses. That far outweighs, you know, this virus that's got a 99.6 death rate or something. You know, the, sorry, a 99.6% survival rate. Like, it's just madness when you when you think of it in terms of that. It's just crazy. I know, I know. And, uh, yeah, like, it's like I say, you could, could go quite deep into it. But the more the more important thing for me at the moment is like, getting to know how, you know, you value certain aspects in your life that have driven you towards solid mental health, especially when, like I say, it's, it's interesting. When I say the, the phrase mental health, I'm a bit like you. I don't like it. The reason I use the, the, that term is because I know it's a, a, a term that people understand yeah. and they think and they know what roughly what is encapsulated in mental health. But when I started this podcast in my first episode, I refer to these problems as sticking points hmm. because I think sometimes that's all it is. We can just get stuck and it just takes something to unstick us and a lesson for us to learn to go, right, okay, I can avoid that now because... I know what it took to get me there in the first place. Um, so I, I understand that kind of hesitancy to use that that terminology mm. um, because I don't think it was always applicable in each case, but like I say, it is necessary to use it so that people that I'm trying to help um, with the podcast by sharing stories with like such as yourself is so that they understand the, the intention is there to support that and to to redirect help or save in a more dramatic case. But um, how, for me, when I, we, 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 I won't say we didn't grow up together, but we knew each other well when we were younger. Um, and I remember thinking, 
at the time how well you dealt with a lot of the attention because mm. we was you know we were we were out in a small town and where a lot of people well pretty much everybody knows somebody who knows you mm. and we barely would walk you know 30 meters walking between bars or things before somebody would stop you yeah and, oh, craig how you doing um and it was a running joke i say i would actually predict the first things they would say to you i said right this guy's gonna say this to you and and yeah. they would and that that's not me i wasn't making fun of them at all but it's because i got so used to it um that it became a running joke and yeah. i remember thinking what must it be like where everybody kind of just wants a piece of your success because everybody was aware of you were a rising talent and in, in, in some areas of martial arts and then an accomplished talent in others. Yeah. So you kind of, you got that respect, hadn't you, among, uh, you know, the, the social circles in that yeah. town. So I'm just curious, like, how, how's it, how has the people that have been around you through your life affected you positively and negatively? Right, it's a, it's a big question this so day with me. Yeah. Um, I did all my, I, I did years and years of karate. I was top five in the world for quite a while. Um, it was a non-Olympic sport then. They kept promises, chance of Olympics. It's actually become an Olympic sport now, it's in the next Olympics. But every time, every four years, they were saying, it's going to be the next one, it's going to be the next one. That's why I stuck around at karate. I would have moved on. I would have moved on because there's no, there's no profile to it. There's, there's no there's no eyes on it. So obviously, we were trying to make. It, I, I thought I could make a career, but there was no career in that. You know, it's an amateur sport. But I, then I went into kickboxing. Kickboxing weren't really my thing. I enjoyed kickboxing, but when I eventually found MMA, I was like, "This is me. This is this is what I've been waiting for. This is the one. This suits my style of striking. It suits because I came from a karate background, which is." People can laugh about karate, and I know there are some funny things in certain certain people do it or don't do it very well. If that makes sense, um, you know, everyone knows some of the village hall with a big fat guy teaching, and you know, and it's it's a bit of a joke. But the karate I did was really high level, so it actually gave me a lot. It gave me a lot coming into what I, what I'm, you know what I went into. Um, so I went. I found my thing. I did my first fight, one in like six seven seconds, quick knockout. Big guy, strong, had a bit of a you know a decent look for MMA in terms of marketability, things like that. And then I injured my knee in the fight, doing a silly kick, showing off. <laughs> Ego again, getting control on it, yeah. Uh, I, I injured myself, and that's kind of when things fell apart for me. Then that's when I that's when I can pinpoint things. I got so much notoriety, especially in them days of MMA, like this, this is 2010. Especially in them days of MMA, like it got so much attention because of the way I did the fight, the way it turned out. I was in the shape I was in at the time. You know, I was in good shape. I looked the part and things like that. Without trying to sound big-headed on it, I'm just being honest. No, you were an absolute unit. At that, the time. Uh, I remember, yeah, I remember the shape. Yeah, I trained so hard for it, and I didn't even. I had no jujitsu at the time. I just went into this MMA fight, a bit blind. Coined me a kick immediately, and then the fight was over. Anyway. It went, it went pretty viral, that video, and it got me a lot of interest and a lot of people, were, I had a lot of fights set up and I had a lot of potential, uh, good opportunities came from that. And I injured my knee. So I'm, a, I'm sat there, I've got to have an operation. 
I felt sorry for myself. Felt like my world were over. I've got all. I'm getting to an age now where I can't hang about. I'm in, I'm in my early thirties. I'm thirty year old or thirty one, whatever I was. And I'm thinking I can't hang about now. I've only got four or five years in this, and I'm done. I've got to make it happen. And it ended up being out for over a year. I started drinking then. I started hanging around with people that I didn't normally hang around with. I'm not saying anybody were a bad person. No, I take all the blame on myself. Nobody made me do anything. I did it myself. But I'm just saying I was a different circle of people that I probably wasn't around before. And I found, and I was, that's when I started suffering with mental health and depression because I couldn't do what I wanted to do. The only thing I wanted to do was fighting MMA. I was, it was taken away from me. And then that's when I fell into the bad habits. And that's when it started to develop. Like waking up after doing that to my body, you know, drinking for a day or two, like partying, and then waking up thinking so much guilt and this awful feeling inside my body that I can't even explain. Like literally, I I went from being this big, strong guy, athletic guy, to an absolute mouse, you know, overnight. That's what it did to me. That's how it made me feel. And the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment and all that that came with it, and I just felt like I couldn't deal with it. And I was in this spiral, and, I, and everybody can say it's a choice, and it is a choice, but it, it was spiraling out of control at certain times, and then I'd control it, and then it'd go out of control. And, and then I came back, I, got, I came back after injury, and I started training again, started feeling amazing again. You know, I was back on top of the world. I was... Gonna make. I thought, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm a heavyweight. I can go on a little bit longer as a heavyweight. They do seem to have longer careers and all this. And I thought, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Started training hard, and then my hip started failing. I, I got in 2013, so I came back. Um, it took me two years to get over that knee fully because I was an older guy that I had on my second ACL on the same knee, and it had taken from a different part of my knee. So I've already got a compromised hamstring now from the first operation. Now I've got a compromised patella tendon. So I, I'm, my body's starting to fail. You know, I'm starting to get these issues. And then I've noticed a problem with my hip. I thought I'd got a hernia. So I went to see loads of different specialists and stuff and paid loads of money out. And they couldn't find what was wrong. So I went and had an x-ray. Went to the doctors to get my results. And he said, his uh, words were, you need to quit what you're doing. That's what he said to me straight away. Like, no, no compassion, no understanding about me. Yeah. He just said what, he said what more correct to say. He said, you need to stop. He said, your hip's wearing away. You're not going to be able to walk soon. And he said, you need, to, he said to me, you need to get into some Tai Chi. That's what, that's what he said to me. I felt like punching him off his stool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm there, like, wanting to be a professional athlete, thinking I've got the ability to go to UFC fighting, sparring with UFC fighters and doing really well and everybody saying, why aren't you in this? Why aren't you at that level? And because it was just the opportunities weren't there. I had so many injuries. I came into it so late, but I'd found my thing. You know, I'd found my thing and I wanted to do it. And all I cared about was that. And it was straining my relationship. Renata, God bless her. I absolutely adore that. I love that woman. She's stuck by me and she's been amazing. She could have left many times, mate. I'm very lucky. I count my blessings every day because she's stuck by me. And, uh, and you know, and things are good at the moment. I'm, this is a good story. This is not all negative. It's not all negative. No, this is a good story. Right? It turned around. It starts to turn around. 
So I'm in this dark place now. I'm in, two, this is about 2013. I'm in this dark place. I'm acting out. I'm partying. I'm not happy doing it. At any point, I'm not happy. It's an escapism because I don't want to fucking, I don't want to think. I want to shut my thinking off. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shut it down. And then this goes on for a few years now. I'm, I'm having good periods. I'm having bad periods. I'm controlling it. I'm, then I'm cracking up again. I'm, this is spiraling. It's, it's not good. It's not good. And uh, I'm losing. I don't. I don't want to feel like I'm people are losing respect for me. But I feel like people around me are losing respect for me. You know, I'm this guy that are on top of the world, and now I feel like I feel like I, this is not true. It's not a reality. But I feel like I'm nothing. I feel like. Um, Quite said, feel like I'm um, a loser. I felt like a loser, so I, I'm not achieving my goals. I feel like a loser, and it's spiraling, spiraling. So I end up having a full hip replacement. I've got, uh, I've actually was very, very lucky. I, uh, I did manage to keep things together. I kept my business together. Just I'd help, you know. If I would have had help, I'd have been. And I wanted a family I've got. I'd have been up shit creek, believe me. And I wanted the wife that I've got. You know, they've helped me. So I'm, I'm having to have a hip, full hip replacement now. Which at my age, I'm 30, what am I, 38, 39. I'm having a hip replacement. This is, you know, this has been five years of shit, you know. I've built a good business and I've been all right, but I've not excelled to the levels I could have really excelled at. I know I'm capable of, which I'm doing now. And I feel like I'm, I'm starting to excel again. I'm starting to find my thing, find my groove again. But like I had, uh, you know, five years, five, six years of just shit and, and um, I've had some good people. Peter, shout out to Peter. Peter's helped me a lot. Um, he's a guy that I talk to a lot and he and he tells me how it is. And I had this hip replacement and I slowly came back and things have started to get better. But I've been in this cycle, because I've been in this cycle of abusing myself, I found it hard to get out of it now. Because I'm in that, I'm in it, you know, and it's it's hard to explain. You probably look, probably people think, why didn't you stop, you know? But I were in this cycle and I didn't know how to get out. And unfortunately, I've been putting with some good people, and Peter, one of them, and and some other people, and they're helping me. I'm part of this program, and I'm working it, and I'm doing it, and I'm having a better life. I've had a slip up recently. But that was after six months of being okay. Do you know what I mean? So it's getting, like, I know I'm getting out of it. I know I'm getting out of it. Yeah, because my son came along and, and during this time. I had my hair replacement. I started recovering now. And now I can train again. This is massive for me, Chris. I can train again. I can be around them lads. Maybe I'm not going to be a fighter again. I'll never say never, but maybe, you know, like I'm around the, like, these lads again the, that I've got in common, that I've got something in common with and I'm, got that camaraderie again and I'm, I'm feeling good and my relationships are better I've got a good relationship with parents I've got a brilliant relationship with my wife I've got my son who I absolutely adore I just adore him and, and he's changed my life again now I've got a purpose uh, not just about me it's about him and, and now I want, I'm building this business and um, things are really looking up and as long as I keep the, keep the routines that I have I've got certain routines. I meet certain people. I've talked and, and, I, and I go through things every day. If I continue with this, which I have to, uh, the thing is you can't stop. Once you've had them experiences like that, you can't stop the things you're doing that's making it right. You can't think you're all right now. I'm fine. Because that's dangerous. Because you can go back. You can easily go back. 
So for me, like I'm, I'm, I put things in place. I built a brilliant business. I've got a a, 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 a gym that's really buzzing now because I'm I'm actually doing the things that are right. I'm putting things in place. It's building this business. Like before, when I've done things, I've always just uh, I bodged it a little bit and not put the love and passion that I should have had into it. But now I feel totally devoted to this gym and, and I want to build young athletes up and I want to give something back. Sounds a bit cliche, but you, you know, something that helps mental health is helping other people. That's what improves your mental health because you're helping other people. So you're getting that brilliant, that warm feeling about that buzz that I'm making their life better. I'm helping them. And that's the, that's the thing that people who have had health problems go and help somebody else because it's going to make your life better. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I'm not ramble on too long, but yeah, I'm in a really good place at the moment. And as long as I follow the structure and I, and, I, and I get to training every day when I don't want to train. And like we were saying earlier, <clears throat> it's easy to train when you're motivated. It's the easiest thing in the world. Train when you're not motivated. That's the that's the sign that you that you're willing to go there. That is called discipline. That's not motivation. That's discipline. Getting up day in, day out, day in, day out, going to the gym, punishing yourself physically. That's for me what helps me mentally. And so it's not about motivation. Motivation is bullshit. Motivation comes and goes. Discipline stays, mm-hmm. and I'm living a disciplined life now. And it's uh, things are looking up and. You know, I'm happy. So, yeah, things are good. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting because, like I said, I've seen seen you through various stages of your life, and and we've we've spoken as young, ambitious guys wanting to achieve things, and you know, we both went on to achieve different things. I think you probably got further in your field than I did in mine when I was when I was acting. But you know, I'm grateful every day for what becoming an actor gave me in terms of who I was, how I developed, the way I saw the world, the way I saw other people. Um, so, you know, there was, a, for me, a massive success in that, that I've actually became a better person. And it's interesting, you know, what you point out about happiness and how helping other people is is really important. And, and I think that is massively, massively underrated because, you know, I speak from experience, but any I I, I, I want to help. It's what, what's what the twenty three is here for. Yeah. It's to try to help to inspire people, and then in turn they can inspire someone else, and then someone else, and then someone else. It's not about yeah. the twenty three taking the credit for it or anything like that. That oh, it all started there. No, because it's just a ripple effect that yeah. I want to create. And there's plenty of people like me out there in the world trying to recreate the same thing. I'm just trying to add weight to that. That's a great point, Chris. And I think, like you said, there is a lot of people doing it out there, but that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for me with this gym, I'm I'm mentoring people. It's not just a gym. It's not just a gym. I'm gonna I'm there for them. You know what I mean? I'm there after the gym. They can call me anytime. I let, I've just got the guy Aaron. Uh, give shout out to Aaron who's helped me massively with gym. Shout out to Mick Felstead. Uh, shout out to Jamie. Shout out to Rambo, <laughs> uh, Cody. All these people have been helping me, and I'm helping them in return so sorry to cut you off there no. but I just think like we said helping other people is massive and that's what I want to create with this gym I want a family I build back a family of us the way we help each other and um, yeah it just builds for every, everybody benefits from it mm. you know? I think um, like I say I think you you found something with this and like I say when I talk to in different um, 
in different arenas, if you like, when it's just like, you know, if we're exchanging WhatsApps or, or something like that, you know, I can see a difference. I, mean, I can see a guy in front of me with, with a real purpose. And, you know, I've always had incredible faith in you. I've always said that, you know, there's, there's stuff that you're going to achieve and you're going to surprise yourself. And I think this gym for you, mm. I think that's it. You know, that it's always the fact that you had such a, like, near miss if you like in terms of what what could have been and it as we've been talking you've answered a question for me that I have kind of asked myself about you know what happens to these sportsmen athletes fighters what happens when the crowd stop chanting the name Mm. and you've you've articulated that really well through the different stories I'm not saying I got to that I didn't get to the level where I believe I could have where the crowds would have been chanting yeah, I was there chanting at one point. But, but I get what you're saying. And and likewise with you, Chris, like you're a very talented guy. I've always believed that. You're a good guy as well. I'm not gonna kiss your ass too much. But <laughs> like we're both similar in the way you had this aspiration to be a, uh, an actor, I wanted to be a fighter. And it's not wrong, it's not bad that it didn't work out. That's what I used to get my head around. As a younger person, you believe that's the be all and end all. If you don't do that, then you're a failure and you're not a failure. Because look at the people you're helping now. And look at the things you gained from what you did and the experiences you had in that uh, when you were at uni and the people you met. You know, it's all forging who you are, and um, it's not it's not it's not wrong that you didn't achieve it. Do you get? Do you know what I mean? It's hard yeah. to explain. Like we, at that time, you, that's all you wanted. You were driven and focused, and and it, and it could have turned either way. It could have you, you could have it so easily could have been one way or the other, but it didn't. And now you're. In, I've come to your house today, and you've got. A, you know, your beautiful wife and house and everything, and things are going well, you know what I mean? So it's not always it's not always the way God intended or whatever your belief is. Yeah, I, I'd like to say I, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for, for how things have turned out, and I'm in a great place in my life. And now I've found my my purpose and I've found my groove. And there's, not, there's nothing more for me, for anybody out there listening, if you can go inside and reflect and just ask yourself the question, what is my purpose? And you might come up with a bit, you might come up short at first. I don't know. I don't know, might be the answer. But that doesn't matter. Keep looking. Because if you can find what it is that makes you happy, what do you like to do that makes you happy? There you go. That's where your purpose is. It's in that area. And then mm. drill down and find it. Because as soon as you find it, your life changes. Because you know what I, I, I what happened to me when I, I kind of relit mine? So my mind was always to inspire. Yeah. that's why I wanted to be an actor because I thought I remember feeling the way a certain way I felt when mm. I first watched movies when I was a kid and I was like that is an incredible feeling I, I'm feeling I hope other people feel that and if they can I want to help them feel it yeah. and then when I moved into corporate life then that kind of evaporated I felt like I couldn't provide that anymore but then I realised mm. I could I just had to quite change my angle mm. but then podcast again it, it made me think right well, no I can there's more I can do there's more I can give and now I'm, I'm trying to give it but the 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 freedom in knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in, in, in line with your value set and what you believe your purpose is. I wouldn't say it bulletproofs you, but it gives you enormous strength and power. Like I don't care if people don't support me. I've got people close to me in my family circles and this is not me having to go. They either no. don't understand, don't think I can do it or they don't believe in what I'm, what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And I genuinely don't care. Am I disappointed that some people can't be bothered to put the thumb over the like button? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But does it does it dissuade me in any way? 
absolutely no. not. And that's the power of purpose. And the real, you've, you've come across something really powerful there, mate. Like, um, do you know, this is, this is like getting deep, but like I used to think, uh, uh, oh, F them people that don't support me, this and that, F them. But that's not benefiting you. It's not benefiting them. It's not benefiting you. It's not making you a better person. It's not. It's actually causing resentments, and resentments are what cause um, issues. Eventually, a resentment can build, and it can build into jealousy and things like that. And these are all negative aspects. The negative things that are, that cloud his mind and stop us achieving. They don't make you achieve. I, I think you should look at somebody who's achieving well and think. I could do that or I'm going to take inspiration from that and I'm going to achieve something in my field. You know, I'm not harboring these jealousies. Yeah, but, he got, you know, he got it all given to him or he found it easy because of this. You know, that's that's not benefiting you. It's just making resentments and resentments are really, really negative. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's um, it's a big thing. And, you know, for me, I, I always want to know more about if we just jump to the back to like the actual combat side of the yeah. trade because it's just again it's a mindset that I've never been able to experience just because the, the, the path I've ended up on in life is there ever been a you know a time when you when you're fighting and because I've seen you win a lot yeah. and you you know so you've been you know you I wouldn't go so far as saying fortunate in fact one of my previous guests John John O uh, Rollins mm. said who you were the most talented athlete he's ever seen so it's not just about luck for your, for your victories. So I did see you win a lot. Is there ever, in any of those fights, have you ever had a, a moment where you were completely confident and then maybe you, you took a shot and you were like, oh my God, can I, can I beat this guy? No, no, I haven't. Because um, I'll answer that simply, but I, 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 didn't, really get te- I never, didn't really get tested. Uh, and that's not me being big-headed. That's just me saying I would have definitely at that point could have come. But unfortunately, due to injury and whatever else, I didn't get to that point where I were in them fights, them dog them dog fights. What I wanted, I wanted them fights. And some people say, yeah, you took you took you you had easy fights. Yeah, because the I will build into these hard fights, if you get what I mean. And also I never the the opponent always pulled out and, and very rarely fought the original opponent, you know. Um, so I always had pullouts where people didn't turn up on the day or people pulled out two days before or the week before, you know. So, you know, I would have, that, that probably then the experiences would have come, but I didn't get to have them, if you know what I mean. So not not really, not really. And that's not been together. It's just been factual. I, I, the thing I always find um, social media around fighting and especially MMA, uh, yeah. I, I find there's some really funny stuff on there you know yeah. people are, are, are typing things to these very dangerous men and women yeah. that they would never dream of saying no. in person like no. wouldn't yeah, even yeah, yeah. not even a negative utterance let alone some of the comments that get posted have you ever had any uh, sort of social media heckles that did you remember thinking what yeah I, I had it once and I had to stop looking and commenting because it's just negative, in it? It's like you're arguing with a little fool. You're arguing with an idiot. You're, arguing, you're, arguing, you're, making you, you're dragging you down to their level, aren't they? It's some little nerdy kid, you know, with a teenager with little spots, arguing in, a, in his bedroom just to get a reaction. <laughs> Ooh, let's get a reaction. You know, it's true, though, isn't it? It's like, how can I make this person feel like shit today? 
My life's pretty shit. How can I make theirs? You know, and that's how it is. Their lives are crap. They have to. Their lives are that crap. They have to sit in front of a computer and try to instigate an argument with somebody. Who? I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story. I know a guy right in my village, Mapua, where I was born. Anyway, I don't live there now. But and you know Dillian White, yeah, the boxer, tough guy. Obviously, not somebody you can mess with. This guy started. I started uh, winding him up on Twitter, yeah, saying that, saying he was shit and all this. Anyway, Dillian got his number, his phone number, and phoned his parents up. <laughs> uh, yeah, safe to say, he shit himself and went and apolog- at humble pie with his tail between his legs and went and apologized online. Oh, That's boy. brilliant, though. That's just answer- that. Sometimes you're going to be able, might be held accountable, so be careful what you say. Some yeah. people think it's open. I can say the worst possible thing, the most hateful stuff, and think they just can get away with it. And a lot of time, most of the time, they do. But you never know, do you? You no. never know. I mean, each one of those. I mean, I know that people like take the piss out of footballers a lot on on Twitter, and even footballers yeah. actually take the piss out of each other. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, if, if there was ever, I mean, I don't, I've never been into that kind of kind no, of wine. I don't, I don't need a reaction so off a, a celebrity so or an athlete to enrich my life. I just, no. um, you know, obviously I have opinions about people's level of um, ability in a certain mm. sport because that's what people do. We yeah. get together, we'll, you know, we'll watch, you know. Constructive is yeah. better, you know. Yeah, you know, if I'm watching a pay-per-view, I'm re- my my lim- my knowledge of boxing is is limited. My knowledge of MMA even more so if I'm being completely honest with you, but I'll still know what I liked about a fighter or yeah. what, you know, everyone's got an opinion, but I would never like sort of go up to, I don't know, say that when Conor McGregor lost um, to, to Khabib, I want to go, oh, I'd have, I'd have done completely different to what you did, mate. But people do it online. People, people do it though. Yeah. And I'm like, you just, you know, you, these probably were the same people that were kissing his ass six months ago. Yeah. They might not have liked his character or something about Connor, but he was the you know the, he yeah. was the post boy for the UFC at the time. But then he gets he's that that big loss, and then everybody's oh yeah he, he's washed up he's done and this is that and this has been coming for ages and it's like well hang on a sec you can't respect the guy ultimately and then when he first loses just spin yeah. on him and then start oh, it's it's weird. Conor McGregor just talking on Conor McGregor what an inspirational man he is arguably arguably the best shit talker that's ever been. He's arguably the best. I know we talk about fighting. That guy can sell. Yeah. Call him what you will. He, for me, and people are going to say, you're talking shit now. I think he's the best, the best uh, seller of a fighter that's ever been. There's never been anybody like him. Even Muhammad Ali. Even Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah. Muhammad Ali was unbelievable in his era. Unbelievable. Like, but because of the outlet that Connor's got and the, the eyes and the people that are watching the internet, that, I used to just watch his interviews. When he first came on, I was like, this guy's special. He's special. And he can fight and all. He can fight. But he's special. And look what he achieved. And he came, he turned, he went UFC in 2013. By 2017, he earned over 100 million. Think about that. I know. Khabib's special. Khabib's the best. For me, it is, it, I think he's pretty unbeatable. I don't see anybody beating him. He's just, that guy is everything. I mean, I, mentally. You, you will know better than I am. And I've been watching UFC for a long, long time. I remember watching it when it came around um, 
and started to get a little bit more big commercially in the UK. Yeah. Still from the US, but commercially in the UK. And I remember everyone saying that nobody would ever beat a guy called Matt Hughes. Yeah. And then, and obviously he got beat because, yeah. you know, the, for me, there's, the, the, it, there has to be somebody better or stronger in a certain area to, mm. to, tr- to trouble him at some stage. But if you know, if you're, you're, you're saying if he's this complete fighter. I mean, fighting, fighting's fighting, anything can happen and everybody can get knocked out. That's the chance you've got against Kirin is knocking him out. But nobody's done it yet. And also, it's not even been close. He's not, he's had one close fight when he's young, when he's early career. He's not even had a close fight. He's mauled every single person in a way, in a fashion that's scary. He's like the Mike Tyson of, of his era that he's got this aura of, of invincibility, right? If he lives on a mountain in Dagestan, he was taught how to fight from the age of three. Not just fight, but how to fight MMA from the age of three. Because his dad's a master of sambo and judo. He's got unbelievable wrestling partners. Some of the best wrestlers in the world come from his town. I think there's something like 10,000 people in this town. I think there's two Olympic gold medals. Something ridiculous, like 10 world champions or something like that. But, you know what I mean? I have a small pool of people. And you say this, that he hails from a mountain. In- yeah, he lives on the mountain in Dagestan. So in what- huts, living like, in, like, in like huts. That's what does his old, does his, and I'm not expecting you to know these details, I'm just yeah. curious now. Does his family descend all from that area? Yeah, the, the Muslim, yeah, the Muslim uh, area. Uh, and his dad was just died actually, saying of COVID were a cause of it. But I don't know. I don't know the details on it. I know he's passed away. Uh, and like he's been. I think there's a there's a certain amount. I'm talking about mental ability. When you're taught from the age of three how to do something, it's so ingrained in your being. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like it's gonna just cause. It's the knock-on effect is mental. Is that you just feel unstoppable? Yeah. You've dealt with every situation. Your, your family are on the mats with you every day. His cousins, they're all killers. They're all fires, you know what I mean? Mm. It's just bread. So that mental... And also, imagine like men 100 years ago. Like, that's the people that he's dealing with now in his area. Like, what we probably were 100 years ago. That's what the mentality they have now. You know, probably just got hot water. Think about that. That makes a tough person. And now that just shows what how weak society is now, you know what I mean? And how soft we've become. Where everybody's got, I've been talking about mental health, but everybody's got a mental health issue. You know what I mean? We didn't hear about mental health until recently. People just dealt with it, didn't they? Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it is a fact that mental health has always been there. But I think what happened that, like, uh, I think now, back in that time, you were seen as crazy. You know, like that, obviously that crazy person was down there, you know what I mean? Stay away from them. <laughs> that lunatic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who's obviously got severe mental health issues. Now, like, we've got a bit more compassion towards it. But then it was like, ah, avoid that weirdo. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. like, it's changed, hasn't it? It's, the perception has massively changed on it. We've got a lot more understanding now than there were. Yeah. I, I think I'd be interested to, interested to know... Um, more about Khabib's genetics and DNA because um, the reason I asked about his family descendancy if they always lived there is because I remember finding out about you know the Sherpas that help people climb yeah. Everest mm. and they've got this unbelievable tolerance for altitude, altitude. altitude. and as, as as any 
people who take a keen interest in fitness uh, that are listening or even people you know watch watch professional sports will know that altitude training is a you know, is a, it, it's yeah. a thing and um, you know, the, the the ability to operate with a bit less oxygen is definitely going to be an advantage. Yeah, that, that's that's really significant. And and where you're from, you know, it's it's luck, isn't it? Like you know, you know, certain things like that. Where you're from, your genetic your genetics you've got. I mean, I think he's got a lot of. Um, oh, where's the che- Chechnyan blood? I think there's Chechnyan Dagestan have had a lot of issues. I'm not I'm not certain on this. There's been a lot of like wars and things like that between them. I think he's got some Chechen descendancy as well. Okay. In it yeah, but like you, you, you're totally right, and I think I think that's the way. I think that is going to be the new PED is where you know performance enhancing drug. I think that is going to be the new thing, like genetic engineering is going to be the next stage. Now that's where they're going to go with it. Well, they call it gene doping, don't they? Now? Yeah. Um, and there's the, we're going to be a lot of studies going into that to yeah. see. That's the how next level. That's the and next how, level. and then it's like, well, what's fair and what's not? Manipulating your human genetics is obviously it's, performance enhancing is also something I've always been fascinated by. And I remember when the whole Lance Armstrong thing mm. uh, kicked off, and you know, um, and ultimately I understood that it was the increase in uh, red red blood cells. Yeah, that was EPO was a huge. Yeah, thing. and then but then cyclists are still allowed to sleep in altitude chambers, which increases what, what, what red blood you, cells. So I'm thinking, well, yeah, is it? I mean, I've not looked into it. I'm not like saying, yeah, he should be fine. Yeah, I think, I think but he was also taking uh, steroids as well, wasn't he? So it's not just it wasn't just red blood cells. But it was in the most the dirtiest spot on the planet as well. Yeah, like where to get the. Cl- they reckon if you were to get the the next clean guy to to be champion or the winner of the Tour de France, you'd have to go down into like the thirties, number thirty, something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like the top guys were all known, mm. you know, to be doing it. Well, there's so many professional athletes have been busted doing it. When you, like, you know, when you talk about people that really want that edge, yeah, you know, like plenty of professional, like the people forget some of the big names like in football. Um, Athletics, rugby, they've all been like, oh, bad what? substance. Uh, that they, mm. and, and, and I think, sorry, to cut you off there. That's right. If, you, if you're familiar with MMA, you, you've heard of two fighters. One's Overeem and the other one is Vita Belfort. Different human beings on steroids. Different human beings. Absolute monsters. Like, Overeem might be the scariest person that's ever lived when he's on gear. You know, could be the scariest man alive. Off it is like mid run, mid run, because he's been caught. I mean, his physique has dramatically changed. He's become a normal. It looks like a normal fit guy. When he's on that, he's like a monster. It looks like it looks like a cartoon character, you know. And off it, it looks like a fit, bloke, big guy, you know. But it just shows the effect he had him physically and mentally. His whole persona looked different. His whole attitude. He just looked like a deeply confident man on it, you know, like he had special power, which he did, which he did, you know, and it just shows how he had a knock-on effect mentally yeah. as well because the, the kind of confidence they're taking from, obviously, the, the enhancement they've got. Yeah. Um, what would you say is, if you were going to give one tip to somebody who is, like, like as you, to use your phrasing, who felt like they were spiralling a bit, Mm. If you could give one piece of advice to people listening now that feel like they just they could be going off the, the, the path that they want to be on and they could end up somewhere pretty bad, 
what would be the yeah. one piece of advice you would offer to somebody in that kind of uh, that kind of crossroads? Right, I'll give you two answers to that. If it's in a if it's an addiction, they need to talk to somebody about. They need to talk. If you've got an addiction, or you've got a, if you're a, a problem with alcohol or drugs or whatever your issue is, painkillers, whatever it is, talk to somebody who's been there. There's plenty of help out there. I'm not going to name names of groups because they don't like them. It, it, I know about these things because I've been involved in it. It's all about. Um, it's. It's not about promotion. You don't promote these places. They don't want promotion. They want right. you to find them. Yeah. Because then it'll cause it cause the same people, everybody says they've got those issues when really they haven't. And then that's where the problems can start. Yeah. So it's all about uh, it's not promotion. It's about you finding them. So I'm not mentioning all these groups are, but if you go online and you and you look into it, you'll find these groups that are out there, call them up. You're gonna be around people who've got the same problem. Me, you or me might not understand their issue we can't help them we don't know what they're going through but somebody who's suffered with the same thing and come over it and come out of it on the better side they're the people to help them because they've been it they've experienced it yeah. so they can understand what they're going through mm-hmm. so try and get in touch with people who have been through a similar thing whether it's just a whether you're just suffering from depression, going to your doctor is not always the best answer, but try it. Because sometimes, especially with people who are dealing with like heavy grief, losing a really close loved one, that's when sometimes a prescription can help for a certain amount of time. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big advocate of it at all. I think there's much better alternatives. But... There is the very small few that can benefit for a certain amount of time. And then you look at alternative methods just to get them through a period, maybe a suicidal period, possibly. You know, somebody who's dealt with somebody like losing a parent, losing a child. These things seem impossible to get through. Mm. That's when going to a doctor, seeking professional help, maybe going on some antidepressants for a small period of time can help and then you look at alternative methods so I'm not I'm not advertising that I'm just saying if you're dealing with some kind of heavy grief but if you're just dealing with some depression and things try and talk to people who've been there try and seek them out they're out there you know and they're, they're in, there is information online get on there google it find out and go and see these people that's my advice okay I think like First and foremost, I need to take the time to, to thank you for your honesty. Um, and I think that be I mean, the people that don't know you will be able to, there'll be things that you're saying that are resonating and some good actionable lessons that people can can learn from, from what we've been talking about today. But I think there's going to be a few people out there surprised mm. with some of the things you've talked about today. And mm. So I'm grateful because I know for a fact that it's not the type of thing that you, you just freely share. So, you know, and I, th- I thank you for that. Just on that one, Chris. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's not easy for me to talk about stuff like that. I'm not the type of guy that likes to share his life. Like, if you see me on social media, I'm, I say very little. I just like to take the piss out of people. But, you know, I'm, I don't say a lot. I just like to have fun and uh, I don't like being too serious. But, yeah, I just did it because I thought, we are sounding corny. I just thought it might help somebody else. And yeah. if it does that, then it's been good on it. It's been a positive thing. So 100% worth it. Go. 
Well, yeah, I mean, from, from my side, so everybody listening to the 23, so my, my 23 community, my 23 tribe, again, this podcast is absolutely nothing without you guys. And I need you to share this with people that you think can benefit, people that you think can get inspiration from it, people who might be able to find some purpose or something that's inspiring them to action. I don't care if it's to exercise more, to take better care of their you know, nutrition, if it's to to start their own business, to go and find their purpose, whatever it is, it will take you a second to share a link, but that second can change years of someone's life. And uh, I can't stress that point enough. So please do share, subscribe, and uh, get more people inspired towards being positive and taking action. Um, But for now, I'm Chris Kirkby. This has been The 23. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you soon.